Let me pray for us. I know we just prayed, but I, I feel like I need to be a part of that. Lord, Father God, um, I am so grateful for this day and and for this body you've put us in and, and for the neighborhood you've put us in, Lord, and the people you've given us to love. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would give us favor in the eyes of our our neighborhood and, and favor in the eyes of our families and and our friends and our co-workers, Lord, that we would have the privilege of seeing more and more people learn to love you, learn to be blessed by you, learn to walk in your ways. Lord, uh, as we explore this this morning, I, I pray, Father, that, that you would show us why it is such a blessing to be your children. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, Mother's Day is uh, one of those times, it's sort of like Mother's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, Father's Day. They can be a little tricky from our heart and our attitude, so to speak, because some people, some people go through life and they're like, they expect nothing. And so when they're blessed with someone coming up and saying, what a, what a great job you're doing, it's it's, it's truly a blessing. But most of us, myself included, most of us go through life with this, you know, it's my birthday. People should be recognizing me. It's, it's Mother's Day or Father's Day. And, um, you know, it, you know it, it's 8 o'clock on Sunday, Father's Day. And none of my kids have called me. <laughs> my mom went through this a lot. <laughs> We set up expectations that we should be recognized and thanked and, and that we should have gratitude presented to us. We expect rewards for, for being who we are. And here's the problem with that. When that's our heart, what winds up happening is when we do get the recognition that, we, that we're seeking and demanding if we're seeking it and we get it we just got what we deserved and so we're kind of self-satisfied but it's not really a true blessing but oh my goodness what happens if it doesn't come through what if your loved ones forget you become angry and disappointed Something that was set up to be a blessing becomes a curse. And what if you demand it? I mean, how, how about this? Can you imagine it's Father's Day? And I call my kids and go, you should wish me a happy Father's Day. And they go, happy Father's Day. <laughs> it's pretty hollow, isn't it? And yet, well, actually, it, you know, Guys, they, we, get another, we get another one all the time. If your woman is mad at you, I almost guarantee there's always this thing. And you're, you're going, why are you so mad? Well, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, when God created us, he took the dirt and breathed life into us. We're just not that smart, <laughs> okay? We are not going to know. 
You have a better chance of getting empathy from a rock. Okay? Just recognize that. Know that. Work with what you got. (laughs) You know, many of us walk through our Christian walk that way as well. Many of us go, look, God, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and so you should give me this. But it sure feels like it does, doesn't it? We have people left and right who are like the children of Israel. God has rescued them from slavery and is taking them to the promised land. And every time they're disappointed because God didn't do it the way they thought it would be done. They want to chuck God and go back to Egypt, back into slavery. We have people left and right today who, because God didn't do things their way, because they can't come to grips with God's word and God's intent, because they had expectations that God isn't meeting their way, who are going back into slavery. They're they're going back to Egypt to live that life. I want you to think about that. Think about your life before Christ. And not just before your salvation, but I'm talking about as you've grown in the Lord and you've changed and, and, and your heart is different and you're in a different place and you'd give all that up because you're disappointed and go back to your former ways. And oftentimes you go with such an attitude, you actually go back to a worse place. Jesus addresses this in Luke 17. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke 17. We're going to read beginning in verse 7. And uh, stand with me, if you would, as we read. So Luke 17, 7. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or or keeping sheep, say to him when he comes from the field, come at once and recline at the table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he think the servant, thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done What was our duty? Please be seated. Now, it's it's important for us to put this back in context. Remember, this began with Jesus saying that if your brother sins against you, you're supposed to forgive him seven times. You know, and and we talked about the fact that really what that means is repeatedly. If they repent, you forgive them, and there isn't a limit on it which you should be grateful for because that's the, that is also the standard God applies between you and him. So basically, the disciples said, we can't do that. I get the disciples, do you? you know, you're telling me I have to keep forgiving no matter what 
if he repents, I got to keep forgiving. How many of us have got that person in our lives that we're like, I, I cannot deal with that person? We have, a, we have a limit to our forgiveness with that particular person. There are people in your lives right now that I promise you, if they came to you and said, I repent and I want your forgiveness, you'd go, no, I am not doing it. And if there's not, God will send someone. (laughs) What I want to talk about this morning, the fact is, what Jesus is telling the disciples, they said, increase our faith so we can do this. And he said, if you have any faith, you'll do it. And he's wrapping it up here by saying, This is what you're commanded to do. And you're just unworthy servants. Don't expect anything special from this. Don't expect a special reward. Don't expect special praise. You do it because I told you to. The problem is, for us, is we don't see God clearly. And what did we say faith really was? Is seeing God clearly for who he is and seeing yourself clearly for who you are and when you see God clearly for who he is and you see who you are and you see that apart from him you have no hope there is nothing that you have apart from God that you can cling to and when you realize that and you realize his trustworthiness and his goodness and his his love for you that you can never be separated from that results in actions it changes the way you behave that's what faith is but here's the question for you then forgiveness is one work there are others that God will ask you to do if there's no reward why do we work if there If we're going to work and not expect rewards, then why do we work? If we don't know the answer to that question, the problem is going to be we can go to the other extreme to legalism. And we can have a list of do's and don'ts and you have to go do it. Why? Because Jesus said. It's important you understand what's really going on here. What the economy of God's world is. What, what, what is. What does it mean to walk in the Lord's world for us. Why do we work? Why do we do what we do? And I think Jesus just told us the first answer. We work because we're slaves, and we have to. When a slave is told to go do a task, there is no option. It is all you can do. The problem is we don't often see ourselves as slaves. We're God's partners. We might be not, not the senior business partner, but we're his business partner. We have a say in this. No, you don't. Not one lick. Not one ounce of say. And before you get upset with me, I want you to think about this. Think about who you are on the inside. Think about, you're not the only person who sits in stews, brother. (laughs) Think about who you are. And if you had your way, 
If you really had your way, where would you be? Dead. It's not a bad thing to be a slave, necessarily. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this right now. Make no mistake about this. Every single person in this room today, every single person in every house in this neighborhood today is a slave. Everyone is a slave. The question is, who's your master? Are you a slave to sin? Because John 8, 34, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We sang a song just a second ago. And it said, we're we're seated at God's table. And I got to thinking, thinking about this as we were singing. You know, because we're God's children, we get to come and sit at his table. And we have plates, and we have food set before us, and we have utensils, and we're eating. And it does not mean that we don't sometimes cop an attitude and throw our plate off on the floor like a two-year-old who doesn't want to eat their peas, right? It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes cop an attitude and throw our forks and knives at each other, right? But here's the difference. If you're a slave to sin, your meals look like something out of the junkyard in Tijuana where families live in the, in the dump, Burnt, hollowed out rusting cars sometimes are their only shelter. They sit in the dirt and the mud and eat with their hands decay, decaying rotten food because that's all they have available. That's what it's like to be a slave to sin, to, uh, to be a slave to Satan when he's your master. We sit at the table and at least have a choice. We don't have to eat spoiled food from the floor. You have freedom not to do that. Sometimes we choose to, but we don't have to. When you're a slave to sin, when Satan is your master, that is all you have. I think this this balance between being slaves to Christ and slaves to sin, Jesus Uh, or Paul really deals with well in Romans. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We're going to kind of skim quickly through this. Um, My goal is to to finish earlier than normal for you guys, for for your mama's sakes, not for yours. (laughs) So in Romans 6, 15 through 23, we read, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? All right, fellas, help me out. Surely not. not. (laughs) By no means. (laughs) 
we we use that one because this is their normal phrase. <laughs> Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Hold on to that. We're going we're gonna to come back and visit that in a second. You are slaves to the one you obey. Either of sin, which leads to death. So when we obey our flesh, our desires, our selfishness, when we obey Satan, when we obey sin... We are a slave to sin, and sin will lead us to death. Or you can be a slave of obedience, which leads to righteousness, which is a way of saying you are a slave to Christ. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Now this is key. This isn't just about a head obedience. This isn't just grinding it out. This means that you think and feel that you want to be obedient. That it's coming when when the scripture says your heart. I want you to think about everything that makes you on the inside. If you took away the shell and you said your emotions, your, your logic, your thought, your reason, your habits... All of those things that make you, you, that's what it means when it says from the heart. We obey from the heart. From everything in us wants to follow Jesus. And by the way, you can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. So take that pressure off yourself. We'll get back to that in a minute as well. But you have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness you will be slave of one or the other you'll be a slave of sin or you'll be a slave of Christ there isn't a fence there isn't a middle ground and if you're a slave of Christ you hold to what you hold to the teaching that you've been given I don't think we say this enough This is the living Word of God. This is the living Word of God. He spoke this into existence. This is is His Word. This is as if God is speaking directly to you every time you read it. How many of you have read a passage more than once and, and heard something different every time you read it? Living. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a dictionary that says, here's the meaning of this word. Because of the Holy Spirit, this isn't an encyclopedia that says, this is the history of God. Because of the Holy Spirit, this is God speaking directly to you every single time you read it. From the heart, you obey it. From the heart, you obey it. That's your logic, your reason, your emotions, all of it. You obey it. Why? Because you trust Him. And how is it that you trust Him? Let's skip on down to verse 22 of Romans 6. It says, 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. That's you changing sanctification. Fancy word to saying you're, lear- you're looking more and more like your, your master every day. You're looking more and more like Jesus every day. All those things Jesus did that you're like, that is so cool and so sweet. I'm, look at the way he loved people. Look at the way he put up with, with curmudgeons and, and failures. Look at how he forgave. Look at what he did. That's what sanctification means is you become more and more like that every day. And that is what you get as a servant, as a slave of Jesus Christ. That's what happens to you. You start to look more and more like him. And it's in eternal life. You have the promise that all this junk that we fight with, all these times that we fight against God, all these failures, all the creaks and, and, and groans in your body, and trust me, Roger, he's not in here. Gary, aren't you looking forward to the day that all those creaks and groans are gone? D, aren't you looking forward to the day when you lift weights and your biceps actually grow? (laughs) I love you even if you don't love me, brother. (laughs) Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Which is good. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, and as slaves, here's the thing. We have to rely on our master. Slaves have to rely on their master for sustenance. Slaves rely on their masters for direction on what work to do. And if you're a slave to sin, John 10.10 tells us that your master is a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so what your master provides you is loss. Your master provides you loss of friendships, loss of relationships, loss of value. Your master causes you to lose dignity, brings you and provides you in its place shame and guilt. He steals your joy. He steals your heart. He steals your purpose. And he destroys everything around you. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And here's the cool thing. That abundant life begins now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy it. It happens right now. This is his provision. To be in his household as his slave is better to be a king in the kingdom of Satan. You have more 
as a slave of Christ than the highest officials in, in the court of Satan. You have victory, they have defeat. You have grace, they have hatred. You have joy, they have misery. What your master provides matters. You are sustained with abundant life. Those, those who don't have Jesus as their master, their master provides loss, death, and destruction. And you're given a work to do. Over in Galatians 5, it talks about, and we, handle, we hit this quite a bit, but I don't think you can ever hit it enough. Those who are slaves to sin are given work that looks like this. In 5, 19 through 21, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And Paul writes, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the thing. When your master is sin, go down that list and think about your former self. Think about when you walked in that, because we all did at one point in our lives. Were you experiencing abundant life? And here's the crazy thing. Were the people around you experiencing abundant life? This isn't just about you. This isn't just about you. This is also about those around you. When you are a slave to sin, loss, death, and destruction doesn't just come to you. It comes to everyone in your circle. You bring it to everyone in your life. Is there not someone in your life that is a slave to sin and what have they brought to you? In your life? When you're a slave to sin and sin, what did you bring to people around you? Aren't you grateful that instead your master sends you to the field and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That he tells you to go take care of orphans and widows, to be generous, to forgive one another. To love your enemy, to love your neighbor, to love each other. You see, where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy that abundant life, and just as when you live as a slave to sin, it brings that to everybody around you. 
when you live as a slave to Christ, you bring those things to everyone around you. Mariah, I loved your testimony this morning. That's what it looks like, guys. Your family's been bringing destruction and loss and death. But you've been changed. You have a new master, right? Your husband has a new master. And through that, what is happening? Life is being brought to them. Our king is winning because his servants are out in the field doing what they're supposed to be doing and the work is having fruit. Mariah is the only one who remembers this analogy, but it's, it's the filling up with, with water, right? You take a glass, you fill it up, right, with clear, fresh water, fill it to the brim, and you carry it with you all day long. Go find a crowded room. What happens when you walk through that crowded room with that glass filled to the brim? You spill on people, right? That's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with obedience to God. You, you just can't help but spill it on people. But if you fill that thing from the toilet at the worst possible time and you walk through a room, what do you, what do, you do to people? You spill on them too, right? Everybody stinks like you do. The last reason that we do the work that God sends us to do, even if we can't expect any rewards, is simply this. If we have faith, we can't help it. It's going to happen. Matter of fact, James says these works, these things, he says faith without works is dead. And if we take the context of what Jesus is talking about, forgiveness, right? Anybody in here have somebody, don't raise your hands. I just want you to think about this. Is there someone you really honestly, don't pretend, don't be shallow here. I need you to really be honest with yourself. Is there someone you're having a really hard time forgiving? Faith without forgiveness is dead. Faith without forgiveness is dead because that's one of the works. Faith without works is dead. That means faith without forgiveness is dead. If you can't forgive, the problem is not with the other person. The problem is with your vision. Remember what we talk about faith. You're not seeing God clearly. And you're not seeing yourself clearly. Because if you saw who God really was, and you saw who you really are, and you recognized just how much you need His grace, just how much you need His forgiveness, and, that, and you realize that He's given it to you, with your whole heart, everything in you, your emotions, your reason, your logic, your thought, you couldn't wait to give them forgiveness. Now look, repentance is necessary, 
You can let go your right to punish, but the true forgiveness, the restoration of relationship requires repentance, and they have to repent. But let me ask you this. Are you on a hair trigger, right? I've been watching a, a, a show called The Shooter. He's a sniper. And, and guys like that, they, they, they do things. They, they change the pressure it takes for their weapon to fire. They, they file down the springs and things like that so they're on a hair trigger that it only takes a little bit of effort to cause it, the gun to go off. Is your, is your willingness to forgive on a hair trigger? Is it so primed and ready to go that the person doesn't even finish their sentence? Will you for Yes! <laughs> is that where you are? Because that's where you need to be. If you're not there, the problem is your vision is clouded. You're not seeing God properly. You're not seeing his holiness and his righteousness and his purity. You're not seeing his justice and his wrath clearly. And you're not seeing your need for his grace and forgiveness. And just as importantly, you're not seeing the fact that he has given it to you. You want to be like that kid who's sitting at the table, this beautiful set table, and you want to get up and go over to the corner where everybody goes to the bathroom and eat your meal from the floor over there. That's where you are. You'd rather leave the king's table and go eat with that other, that other master. That faith comes from the Lord, though. So ask the Lord to show, him, show you more clearly who he is. Ask him to show you more clearly who you are and who you've been. Faith produces work and character. And work and character give glory to God, sanctifies us, and gives life to us and those around us. The reward, this is what's crazy now, the reward is the work itself. Matt didn't intend to do this, but he set, when he opened up the, f- the floor this morning for you all to say what you're grateful for, he brought the closing of this sermon. How many of you guys felt blessed when you went into someone's house and did a Bible study and shared the gospel? How many of you guys felt blessed when you got to sit with somebody outside a store and talk with them and share the gospel? How many of you guys have felt blessed this week by forgiving one another and loving one another? How many of you guys feel blessed by the fact that we are a family? Not just, not just, a, not just a club that comes together and, and does something cool every week, but we're a family. You know why we're that? Because you love your neighbor as yourself. Because you forgive one another. Because you, because you handle conflict the way God would have it. You overlook it. You forgive it. You, you ask forgiveness. You reconcile. You give of yourself. You're generous. And those are not of you. Those are of the Lord. Those are the reward for the work that your master sends you into the field to do.
in God's kingdom, sitting at his table, we are blessed. And here's the really crazy thing. Jesus says, though, that when we get to heaven, he will serve us at the table. That's our example of humility. The king will dress himself and serve us. How could we not dress ourselves for work and serve? How could we not? The work itself is the reward because in the work we are just like our master. And abundant life comes to us and to those around us. Different world, different place. Let's pray. Father, increase our faith. Give us clear vision. Lord, we have every vision problem imaginable in this room. We're nearsighted, farsighted, both colorblind, all of those things, Lord. We got them all going on here. I pray spiritually, Lord, you would sharpen our vision, that you would help us to see clearly who you are, that we would truly behold our God on this throne and truly come and adore you, Lord. That it wouldn't just be song, a song we sing, Lord. It would be our heart's cry. I pray, Lord, that we would understand who we were just so we could marvel at your grace and your mercy and your compassion be grateful for who we are. And we would see those things clearly. And because of that, Lord, we would walk in faith that produces abundant life today, tomorrow, into eternity, in ourselves, in our families, in our workplaces, in this neighborhood, in this church. Lord, that that abundant life would just flow to the point where we're just giddy and can't believe the blessing. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.